The forecast says there's a storm heading in. You can smell it in the air. The humidity is rising and the dogs are acting spooked. It's time to stay inside, light the fireplace, and get cozy. The wind starts to howl and the initial pitter-patter of raindrops begin to come down. But then there's another sound you did not expect. It's a knock at the door. Jason. A voice calls from just outside. Jason, let me in. It's Danny. Hurry, it's cold and damp. Uh, it's just old Danny trying to get in from the storm. You walk to your bedroom with the dogs and you lock the door. Danny hasn't been alive in over 15 years. It's going to be a long night. Enjoy these allegedly true scary stories that take place in thunderstorms. The Old Man in the Trees from D'Artagnan, location, Alabama. I've heard it said that some people simply experience more strange events and occurrences than others, almost like they're a magnet for the strange or supernatural. I'm starting to think that I, unfortunately, am one of those people. I've seen enough horrors for this lifetime and many more. I'll try and recant them to you, but for the time being, I'll leave you with this one encounter. One that still causes me to draw the blinds every time a storm rolls in. I live in a small town in Alabama. It's not too big and not too small. Essentially, it's the perfect size. The town was built along a river to allow steamboats and barges to pass through and deliver goods and such. My property is located along that river. It's actually situated on the banks of a slough. It's basically a small offshoot of the main river. Having said that, a stone's throw from my front yard is the slough, and off to the left a bit is the main river. Across from my home and on the other side of the slough lies the forest. My nearest neighbor is a good 15 minute drive up the dirt road, but a quicker eight minutes if you go by the water. All of this is to say that I'm pretty well isolated out here. I was coming home from a trip out of town around dusk when I heard the first warnings of a thunderstorm. Through the radio, the weatherman was warning others to cancel their plans and to stay safe for the evening, the usual stuff. I paid very little mind to it and proceeded on home. I pulled onto my property just as the first drops of rain were hitting my windshield. I exited the vehicle and gazed out over the river at the dark gray clouds that were rolling in. I exhaled and walked onto my pier. I enjoy sitting outside under the shelter of my pier as a storm rages on. Don't ask me why, but it's very peaceful for me. The lightning and thunder has never scared me. I would simply brush it off. I pulled up a chair and sat down. Then I began to fill my wooden pipe with tobacco, tamped it down a bit, and lit it. 
The storm was soon in full swing. Trees were swaying and the wind began to shape white caps in the water. I exhaled a long puff of smoke and closed my eyes. I listened to the sounds of the swaying forest around me, breathing in that musty smell of the river mixed with my smoke. I was totally relaxed. I was jerked back into reality by the sound of a branch snapping in the trees across the slough. I opened my eyes and looked over. There was nothing there that was out of place, as cliche as that sounds. I was still looking out towards the woods when I heard a second snap. It then dawned on me that the way I was sitting combined with the roof of my pier, it was preventing me from seeing the very tip tops of the trees. At the time, I thought that a few branches had broken loose due to the storm, but I still wanted to confirm my suspicions and rule out the possibility of it being an old tree beginning to fall. That could be dangerous to both me and my property. I rose from my chair, carefully walked to the end of the pier, and looked up. I was half right. A few branches had indeed been broken loose, but it wasn't the wind that made them fall. Beyond belief, I looked up and saw what appeared to be an old man without any clothes on in the tree. His eyes were only sockets. He appeared to be in his 80s, judging from how wrinkled his skin was. He looked like a hermit. His beard and hair was long and matted. He had skinny arms and legs and his ribcage was very visible. But what really made me lose my breath was the way he was standing. This man, in the midst of a storm and on top of a tree, was standing completely upright. He wasn't even reaching out an arm to support himself. He was just perfectly balanced on that skinny, unsteady tree branch. No normal person could do such a thing. Not in the middle of a storm like this, no one. My jaw hung open. Subsequently, my pipe fell out of my mouth and into the river below, hissing as the hot tobacco met the cold water. I stood there, transfixed on this man. We were locked in each other's gaze. Even though he had no eyes, I could feel him staring directly at me. My palms began to sweat, and my heart was beating twice its normal tempo. I was unable to look away from the unearthly sight before me, so we just stood there for a while, until I could hear my own heartbeat in my ears. Something about that sound snapped me out of my trance-like state, and I covered my eyes with my hands. I took a few deep breaths and lowered my hands, truly expecting and hoping for the man to have vanished. But he was still there, unchanged, still perfectly balanced on the branch, still staring at me with those eyeless sockets. I began to search my mind for any reasonable explanation for what I was seeing. I searched and searched, but nothing made sense. I continued to stare at him, wondering what he wanted why he was there, and if he wanted to hurt me or not. I would never get the answers to these questions. Looking back now, I can see the error in his choice of tree to stand in. 
he stood on a pine tree. Their branches are very brittle and break away easier than other trees. And that's exactly what happened. The branch he was standing on broke loose. He began to fall several stories to the ground, but he never impacted. The branch crashed onto the forest floor, but the man did not. I scoured the branches from my viewpoint on the ground, but saw no trace of the man. It took me another few minutes before common sense kicked back in. I scampered off the pier and ran towards my home, slipping a few times in the fresh mud from the storm. I bolted into my house and slammed the doors shut, locking them. After I drew all the blinds, I sat down on the kitchen floor, caked in mud and soaking wet. I tried to make sense of everything. I was terribly confused and frightened. I didn't feel threatened by his presence, but then again, I surely did not feel comforted. It was purely and simply disturbing. I had no idea what he wanted or why he chose to reveal himself to me in that way. As much as I wanted answers, I knew I would never get any. I slept with the lights on for at least a month after that, never being able to fully let it go. It's been a long time since this happened, but my counselor has convinced me that by retelling the story, it might help me to heal. Thanks for listening. Shadow in the Lightning from Silverwolf69. Location, Florida. I've always been intimidated by the strength of storms in places like Pennsylvania, New York, Kansas, and Texas. But in some states, they're especially nasty. During the 2015 hurricane season, I took a trip to Florida with three friends, and I decided to stay on the shore, unless a hurricane was coming. There was a chance of rain, but I didn't mind. I had no idea this would lead to one of the most terrifying nights of my life. At 4 p.m. the day we arrived, I took a look out over the water and saw something that worried me. The horizon had, as one of my friends described, angry clouds. We also had a cold wind blowing around us and the air was chilly yet electrified. I said, looks like we're gonna get one of those pop-up storms. We better head inside. We got inside the chalet we had rented and decided to just wait out the storm. Though I was nervous, I didn't want to appear wimpy, so I acted like it was no big deal. One of my friends had brought a handheld radio, so we listened to the news. After hearing a severe thunderstorm warning for the area, we heard a report about an escaped convict from a prison nearby in Orlando. We were in Miami, so I thought we'd be fine. Two of my friends didn't care, but my only female friend was clearly freaking out. Turns out she had a reason to. At 8 p.m., the store was still raging on. My friend who drove us to Florida took out his phone and showed me the radar. We were in a line that was moving from east to west with all the red, orange, and yellow. It was clear that we weren't getting off easy. As one moved away, another followed it. I happened to look out the window and saw a huge shape. At first, I thought it was shadows within shadows thanks to the storm. The next flash of lightning illuminated something that I really wish it hadn't. In the light, I saw a scowling face in a hat and overcoat 
with a massive build, and they appeared to be holding a steak knife. He was tapping on the window with it. One of my friends dove into the bedroom, then ran out with a pistol. My female friend and the other friend both dived into the bathroom, but my other friend overshot his jump, and he hit his head on the sink, which caused him to black out. I was terrified. I'm not a very big person. I calmed myself down, and I decided to dial 911. I calmly explained the situation, gave them a detailed description of the man at the window. When I looked back at him, though, he was gone. After the rest of us, who were still conscious, calmed down, one of my friends slapped me in the back, congratulating me for scaring him off. But that's not how I'd put it. I was relieved and terrified. The following day, I saw someone in the hospital where my friend was being treated due to his concussion. There was a patient there, being treated. Apparently, someone with a steak knife had attacked her. Not too long after this, we learned that it was the escaped convict, though deep down I'm pretty sure we were all thinking that when it happened. I still wonder if my friends hadn't taken cover. If I hadn't called 911, would he have gotten inside? What would have happened to us? Now whenever a storm approaches, I always think of this man and the terrifying night in Miami. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play, with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues 
for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Creeper During a Storm from Kia Sika. Location, Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. I'm a 25-year-old girl and live with a housemate in Melbourne. This incident is a true story that is only a single incident from a series of incidents that has been occurring since May 2018. But I've chosen to share the scariest of these incidents so far. I was home alone one night in June 2018, as my housemate was not due home until the next morning. Usually, being home alone overnight would not faze me, but with recent events, like receiving handwritten notes in my letterbox addressed to me, that started out as plain, obsessed, creepy, stalker-like things, but became more and more sinister, combined with the fact that a thunderstorm was rolling in it made me extremely anxious being home alone that night, even with the dog beside me. I spent the night doing small household chores with the TV on to try and ignore the noise and cracks of thunder outside, but I was having little success. Around 11.30 p.m., my housemate's dog began barking at the back door as if there was someone outside that he did not want in the backyard. I listened for a minute or two, and thought that I heard the sound of something moving around outside. I decided to look out the spare bedroom window and then my bedroom window as they look out into the backyard, but I didn't see a thing. I ignored it, thinking the wind had just been blowing something around. I went back inside to finish watching a movie and I tried to forget about the sounds that I'd heard. I assumed that it was just the wind blowing something around something that just happened to sound like footsteps. At around 12.30, I decided to try and get some sleep, so I headed off to bed. After enjoying some YouTube for a bit, I managed to fall asleep with the dog sleeping at the end of my bed. At about 3.30 a.m., I woke up to the dog growling again, but this time, he was standing at the curtain over my bedroom window, growling. I sat up and listened for a few minutes, but didn't hear anything but the thunderstorm outside. I decided to get up and get a drink of water. While I was in the kitchen, I heard a loud metallic crashing sound from out in the backyard. The dog started doing laps around the house, growling and barking. I ran to the spare bedroom window and saw that part of the fence around the vegetable garden was on the ground. The fence wasn't overly secure in the ground, but it was secure enough that it had survived a few thunderstorms during the winter without being blown over, so I was immediately worried as to what may have caused it. Before I could grab the torch to shine out the window, I heard a sudden and rapid series of bangs coming from the area of the backyard where my housemate's garden shed was. Immediately, I was feeling anxious. There couldn't be someone outside, right? I grabbed my phone to send my best friend a text, I wanted them to call the police for me, as they're usually awake at all hours, 
and I did not want to make a call in case someone was outside and could hear me. I went to my room to get my phone. The kitchen light and my bedroom light went out suddenly, causing me to jump in fright and almost scream. Great, I thought. The storm has knocked out the power. As I came into the lounge room to grab the torch, I noticed through the window that my neighbor's outdoor light was still on, and there was a house a few doors down whose lights were on too. It seemed to be just my house with the power out. I went out the front to check the fuse box. Our fuse box is electric, and I noticed that there were no lights on it that were working. There was no writing displayed on the little digital screen that was there too, meaning the unit for some reason had completely just stopped. Great, I thought. Just what I wanted. A broken fuse box on a creepy, stormy night. I gritted my teeth and went back inside, resigned to the fact that I'd have to call my housemate and wake him up, as he owned the house and would have to call to get someone out to fix the fuse box. I grabbed the phone and sat on my bed to call my housemate, and I explained repeatedly to him that I didn't know what happened to the fuse box, but it just stopped working. He said he would look into it. He would get someone out to fix it as soon as possible, but he wasn't sure how long that would be, as the fuse box had never stopped working like that before. I thanked him and apologized for waking him up. I said that I'd see him at home when he got here. I checked that all the doors and windows were shut and locked, but decided to leave my computer on to have some light in my room. I laid back down to try and go back to sleep. As the dog settled down at the foot of my bed, I heard the leaves blowing around in the storm. I rolled over, and as my eyes passed the window, I froze in fear. I thought that, through the small gap in the curtain, and with the small amount of light coming from the hallway, that I'd seen someone standing at my window. I turned slightly and looked again and saw the figure of a man standing there. I rose out of bed in a jolt and screamed. Then I ran to the lounge room with the dog following me, barking. I was standing in the lounge room. I needed my phone but realized I'd left it in my bedroom. I'd have to go back in there to get it, to call the police. As I went to go back to that room, all the while crying, someone began to bang on the door as hard as they could. I screamed again. I was certain that the creeper at the window was now at my door. After a moment or two, I heard a male voice behind the door, and I realized it was my neighbor. I ran to the door, grabbing the spare key from the top of the bookshelf to unlock the door as my house keys were in my room. I unlocked it and ripped it open, crying and hurriedly telling my neighbor that someone was outside. After coming inside, my neighbor asked what window it was. I pointed to my bedroom. He headed to my bedroom, but before he got there, the dog ran to the back door, barking at something. Then we heard someone run across the yard. My neighbor tore off outside to try and catch the guy. By the time my neighbor got into the backyard, he saw the man climbing up the fence then dropped over the top to the other side. My neighbor jumped the fence himself to try to get the guy and shouted at him to get lost, to leave me alone, and then he was gone. When my neighbor came back inside, I had already called the police myself, and before he even got a minute into telling me what he'd seen, the police were at the door. Finally, I let them in and told them of my experience, 
as he described the guy wearing a red and blue baseball cap. I immediately realized that my ex had the same kind of cap. I let the police know this. Then they looked around outside and assured me that there was no one hiding over the fence and that it was all clear. But they also needed to tell me that they found some things, things that were tucked away by the fence. Specifically, a roll of duct tape and a pocket knife. To this day, I still have notes left for me, and the police never found the guy who was at my window. My ex denied the accusation. He told the police I was crazy and making up stories to get him in trouble. So creepy stalker, whether you're a random person or my ex, that is leaving me crazy notes. Just leave me alone. I never want to see you again. A creepy experience I had in Vietnam. From James's Cole. Location, Vietnam. I haven't told this story to many people, except for my wife and a few close friends. It happened while I was stationed in the army as a radio operator during the Vietnam War, and I haven't forgotten about it to this day. I was a young recruit, freshly drafted out of high school. I didn't know much about the war, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into, what it was all about. But what I did know was that I had a duty to my fellow servicemen. We arrived there on a Friday evening and got loaded onto mini buses to be taken to our barracks. The air was very humid, and the soil was a slop due to a storm passing overhead. I vividly remember the drive and how it stunk like a sewer. My first night was uneventful and quiet, but we all felt the tense atmosphere, especially with our drill sergeants taunting us with stories during basic training. I remember the half moon overhead when the storms had cleared. It kept peeking out from behind the clouds, and all of us were sitting around telling jokes. I was more of a technical guy and didn't have much aptitude for comedy so I just listened in. My duty was to manage communications between my unit and all of the other guys so that everyone knew what was going on everywhere else. I carried a box on my back which was the size of a radio and also a ton more equipment than supplies. I was quickly assigned to a tight-knit unit who had just lost their communications operator to a landmine and I remember the first time we made contact with the enemy. It was the loudest thing I'd ever heard we were in a dense part of the jungle and could not see the enemy at all, but we ducked for cover as soon as they began firing at us, and we opened up in their general direction in return. The chaos felt like it lasted forever, but we probably ceased fire after a couple of minutes. We advanced forward to close up on the enemy and secure the area. That would be the first time I saw them up close. Three Viet Cong soldiers laying in a pool of red. I couldn't believe that I was looking at three human beings that were alive and fighting for their lives only seconds ago. Young men who maybe had sisters or brothers and parents. They were probably just chilling around moments before we came. And there we were moments later, staring at their motionless forms. I must say that I felt justified because they were the enemy. And if we hadn't fought back, they would have been standing over us instead. 
A few days later, we got assigned to a different location, which saw much heavier combat. I grew accustomed to the chaos, watching many of our young men pass away in some of the most painful ways possible. One day I was told by my NCO that someone wanted to speak with me. I was greeted by an older man in his late 50s who looked totally out of place. His demeanor was calculated and predictive, and even my commanding officer seemed to have turned into a yes-man in front of him. He introduced himself as Frederick Douglass, an intelligence officer stationed nearby, and that I was going to be assigned to him as an RTO for his unit. The guys in my unit were like family to me, but orders are orders, and I had no choice. I got on the Huey and went with him. We landed in the rain in a heavily wooded area next to a few Viet Cong huts. It was heavily built up by the enemy, and I could definitely imagine the fight that must have taken place here. There were some guys who had gas masks on, and other soldiers standing nearby, but they didn't seem to notice me or even care that I was there. It was a very strange atmosphere that didn't feel quite right. These guys did not act like normal soldiers, and definitely did not have the look of fear in their eyes as most of us did. I even tried talking with some of them, but all I got was this strange emotionless glare, like they were infected with something. Whatever it was, they all had it, and it made me feel uneasy. Officer Douglas and I entered one of the smaller huts, and I was told to stay put until someone would come and get me. I really should have stayed there and waited, but I was too curious and apprehensive to relax, so I made my way out towards the main hut, then I went inside. What I saw made my stomach drop like never before. On a makeshift table lay six murky containers. Each one of them contained the head of a guerrilla fighter, several tubes and wires protruding from them. A green liquid seemed to be reacting with the heads as their mouths and eyes quivered, as if they were still alive. It was then that I suddenly felt a hand grab onto my shoulder. It was the intelligence officer Douglas, and he looked angry. I meekly asked what they were doing in there, but he angrily said that I should not have gone in there and sent me back to my hut. We must have been attacked or something, because I woke up a day later in triage with several broken ribs and a fractured collarbone, and no memory of anything that happened after that. I never saw Douglas again, or those soldiers. I often wonder what those guys were doing back then. Maybe they were trying to gather intelligence from the enemy even after they were gone, or maybe it was something else. Either way, it was a strange experience that I will never forget. Something tried to get into the house. From Belganis. Location, Missouri. In 1993, when I was around 12, my family and I lived in a house in central Missouri that my parents had built on some land that was bought from a relative. This relative owned a large piece of land that had been in our family since I'm guessing the 40s, and my parents bought five acres from them and built that house in the middle of the woods. I spent a lot of time in those woods, and usually everything seemed all right. But looking back, something about the place just seemed off. It's hard to describe. 
my mother experienced strange happenings, and to this day, my sister and I believe the land was cursed in some way. One important aspect of the story is the layout of the house. It's a single-story house in an L-shape. On one end of the L was the garage, and on the other was the front door and a large covered wood porch. Between the front door and the garage was a sidewalk, and between those points was a sunroom with large windows facing the sidewalk. Well, one day my parents went to visit some relatives that also had some land out there, leaving my sister, cousin, and myself alone at the house. A thunderstorm boomed outside. We were all just hanging out when the front doorknob furiously jiggled. The door was locked, but it was obvious someone wanted in. It freaked us out really bad, and I remember the garage door was open because my parents weren't going to be gone long, so there was no need to close it then. It wasn't like anyone was going to be around to mess with it, or so we thought. I ran to the garage to lock the door leading to it, and as I was heading there, I passed the sunroom and saw something go past the windows, meaning whoever or whatever was outside, it had the same idea as me. I honestly couldn't tell what the form was though. It was moving really fast, but I could see a formless black blur. I made it to the door, but a split second after I locked it, something began yanking on the knob and jiggling it. Terrified, we called my parents. They came back home after whatever was out there had long gone. My parents thought we were imagining things. What still bothers me though is that it had been raining all day that day. The ground, the sidewalk, everything was soaked and muddy. Yet when I was on the covered front porch with my dad, it was bone dry. If someone had stepped on it, they would have left footprints, but there was nothing at all. I have no idea how that's possible, and all these years later, even my sister remembers it all, just as clearly as me. I hate to imagine the outcome if I hadn't reached that garage door in time. It's been 25 years, and I still think about what would have happened a lot, and it scares me. Thunderstorms scare some people, while others like myself find it peaceful and often restful. But we can't forget, no matter how comfortable or freaked out we are, that thunderstorms, the rain, the clouds, and the wind, they all act as cover, and the creatures and psychos of the night can use that cover to their advantage, and before you realize you're not alone in the storm, it will most certainly be too late. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can send your story at darknessprevails.org. If you want to support the show, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com darknessprevails, or shop our merchandise at teespring.com slash store slash darkness prevails. Now then, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about five horrific encounters in the mist. Henlo Yes says, Hello. I just had to read this because his profile picture looks like Peach from Jenna Marble's channel, but distorted, and it freaks me out in the most cutest way possible. By the way, Kermit is love and Kermit is life. John Deere 50 says, you got any more Goatman videos coming? Maybe soon. I'm trying to diversify what I upload. 
but I always gotta come back to the classics. Kane Sevenify says, Stephen King would be proud. Stephen King doesn't have to know. I definitely did not rip off his idea. Nope, not at all. L6 says, Hi from Argentina. You should make some stickers of This World is a Strange One. I want to, but it's kind of tricky. It depends on what kind of stickers we can do. The way the image uses a bunch of small little stretching branches, it'd have to be a sticker with a background. And that just sounds tacky to me. But maybe I'm wrong. Ghosty Danny Danielle says, could you possibly do a video of just main stories? I would love to hear about creepy things that have happened in my neck of the woods because I've never experienced anything creepy myself. That would be a good idea and it definitely relates to the whole Stephen King thing. Between the two of us, we just can't stop scaring the people of Maine. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Darkness Prevails. But don't you worry, because more scary stories are coming soon. So stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one.